For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is happening, gang? We are Jack to bring you another episode of the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Pulling. In today's episode, we continue our world tour through the NFL in the offseason. And today, we do not travel too far from Bill's house in Charlotte as we stay in the NFC South. We're going to go through the Falcons, Panthers, Saints, and Buccaneers and give you a breakdown of what is kind of a topsy-turvy division in terms of how they changed in the offseason. Some teams, the needle's moving down. A couple teams will surprise you. Maybe in Bill's backyard, the needle is moving well up and what some of these retirements mean and what possibly the Saints might look like moving into next season. Before we dive into today's episode, we want to take a minute and talk about our favorite sponsor on the show. That's right, Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. And best of all, it's free to sign up. So what are you waiting for? We talk about this every week. Head over to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent off that's right 50 percent off welcome bonus on your first deposit so what are you waiting for head over to betonline.ag or hop on the mobile device and log on today to receive your 50 percent off welcome bonus on your first deposit all right guys sit back relax this is a good one this is our look at the nfc south and this is the inside football podcast with bill Poling. What is happening, gang? We are live on the Inside Football Podcast. I think it's been a hot topic since last week's show. Are we playing hurt, injured, or on the mend today, Bill? On the mend and uh, probably full go by tomorrow. Hey, look at that. We will be in pads on the Inside Football Podcast. If you're uh, <laughs> if you're listening to this, get ready. It's let, let me check the CBA to see if Bill could be in pads tomorrow or not. I feel like it's a padded uh, practice uh, at OTAs. Uh, okay, all right. All right. Well, as we've been doing, we're continuing our look uh, at the divisions and what they've done in the offseason. And Bill, thank goodness, did not have to travel far to pick up some terrible bug on a plane. We get to stay in the South and we're in the division in which he lives in. Let's begin, Rick. Where are we starting today? We are going to start in Hotlanta and, of course, with the Falcons and uh, their situation. Uh the numbers will, I think, reflect what everybody saw with their eyes. Uh, on offense, uh, they ranked in points per game 16th, and they averaged 24.8. This is when I give you the ranks, it's out of obviously out of the whole league. Uh, on combined yards per play, they were tied for 18th, which was 5.6. Uh, on passing plays, uh, they were right in the middle of the pack. They were 15th. In a tie with 6.9 yards uh, a pass. And in rushing, they were next to last, uh, 31st, just a pathetic 3.7 yards per rush. In sacks, 
They were tied for 22nd. This is, this is sacks given up, uh, which it, it amounted to 2.6 a game. Uh, on defense, things don't improve much. Uh, in terms of points allowed, they were 19th at just about 26 points a game. In yards allowed, they were tied for 28th at almost 400 yards a game. Passing yards allowed, they were 28th at 7.5 average. Uh, in rushing yards per attempt, they were tied for 15th at 4.4. Uh, and they registered 1.8 sacks per game themselves, which tied them for 23rd. If On the combined numbers, when you looked at point differential, they were 18th in the league at minus 1.1. And their turnover margin, they ranked 10th. Uh, they were at my, at they were at plus point two, so they did do something right there. Bill, when you look at at each of these uh, categories with the Falcons, uh, it's pretty easy to to see that they did not realize or retain whatever the football equivalent of the Mendoza line would be. Uh, what are what would you say are the underlying problems that they had on both sides of the ball? And as you go through your um, your analysis and listing who the uh, acquisitions are. Can you just let us know if you think that will positively reflect on the problem they had? Well, first of all, last year they were mediocre on offense. Uh, You know, probably with a reasonably good defense, they would have made a run at the playoffs. So the offense wasn't terrible except for the run game, which was terrible. And, uh, and that's because they didn't have a back. Defensively, they were awful. Uh, and, uh, and so that's a bad combination. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good one. <laughs> in addition to which, they are, as we speak, in cap jail. They've got about $200,000 in cap room. And, uh, and, and they're going to need about uh, $7,800,000 more just to sign their rookies and operate with injured reserve and what have you for the for the regular season. So they're in a bad way. And and because of that cap situation that they're in, um, they had two choices going forward. They got a new coach and a new general manager. But they had a choice, and that was to whether to continue with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and company and try to be somewhat competitive this year uh, or to bite the bullet, let everybody go, um, and start over again. They, they, they decided on the former, which was to stay with Matt and to stay, well, technically to stay with Julio. Um, but as I said, they're in cap jail, and they didn't have the ability really to make any, any, any big, uh, huge, game-changing acquisitions. Now, the guys that they relinquished in, in large measure, were not players that were major players. Alex Mack was at an end. Canoe Neal, uh, you know, had been injured off and on. Justin McRae, Charles Harris, Ricardo Allen, Leroy Reynolds, DeMonte KZ, essentially role players, Brandon Powell, Kurt Bankert, uh, backups. So there were, there were no real major losses there. Um, what they added, however, uh, was nothing to write home about either in terms of game changers. A.J. McCarron is a, you know, solid backup quarterback. Um, 
until he has to play. Football <laughs> backup quarterbacks. Uh, Mike Davis signed a two-year, $5.5 million deal. That was about all, all they could risk in free agency uh, because of the cap situation. And he is what I call a 1A back. If you have, or one B back, I should say, if you have a tandem of number one backs, he's the B guy. He was the one B back in Carolina with CMC uh, in front of him. Uh, and that's what he is. But he's not going to all of a sudden morph into a one A in, in, in Atlanta. So while it's a good signing, it, it doesn't change the focus of, of how they have to develop the run game. Cordero Patterson signed a one-year deal, $3 million. He's a great return guy and a great gimmick guy, and that's where it ends. Um, Lee Smith is, uh, was traded from uh, Buffalo. He's a backup tight end. Josh Andrews, again, one-year deal, uh, offensive lineman. And then Stephen Means, Jonathan Bullard, Brandon Copeland, Barcavius Mingo, Fabian Moreau, Duran Harmon, Eric Harris, they were all part of the uh, of the defensive foreign legion that moves from team <laughs> to team on a one year basis um, in order to in order to fill you know legitimate needs on the squad, but there's nobody there who's gonna who's gonna make a, a huge difference when you surround these fellows with difference makers. Uh, you know, a couple, three different make, difference makers on each pl- platoon, then you have something special going. But these these are the guys who are who are journeymen. Um, in the draft, here's one of the difference makers, Kyle Pitts, on uh, the number one pick. At, uh, it, it, they stayed at the fourth pick. They picked him. Um, he he's a he's really a receiving tight end. He's almost not a tight end. He's kind of a hybrid player. He's a big wide receiver. Um, he's going to take some developing, and, and probably it'll be mid-season before he really fits in well. And he's not a blocker. They got to they got to find a they got to find a sweet spot for him in the offense. But um, he's got game-changing ability. Richie Grant is a a free safety from uh, from Central Florida, um, who, who's pretty good in center field. Jalen Mayfield is listed as a tackle. I think he's a guard when it's all said and done. He's a big road grader. Darren Hall is a quarterback from a cornerback from San Diego State. <clears throat> Excuse me, Drew Dahlman, pretty decent center from Stanford. He'll provide depth. Daquan Graham, uh, defensive tackle from Texas A and M. Uh, Ogundeji, I can't pronounce Adi is just how what they call him. His first name, Ogundeji, from Notre Dame. Again, good, solid um, backup type defensive end. Avery Williams, I think, is a, a as a fifth round pick, good pick. He, he's got a chance to be a decent corner. And Frank Darby, wide receiver from Arizona State, rounds out the. Uh, rounds out the uh, uh, the draft. Their depth chart um, looks like this. Matt Ryan at quarterback, Mike Davis at running back. They've listed Cordero Patterson as the, as the backup. That ain't happening. 
he, he cannot be a backup running back on a full-time basis. Um, he's a specialized player. Um, they'll be in the market for a backup. Uh, Julio Jones, we'll talk more about him later. Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage. Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage were really productive last year. Kyle Pitts steps in. He will not be the traditional tight end. As we said, He's got to find, they have to find a sweet spot for him, but, but he'll be a contributor. And then what amounts to an underachieving offensive line, Jake Matthews, Matt Gono, Matt Hennessy, two first-rounders, Chris, Lindst- Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McCary at right guard and right tackle, um, uh, respectively. Uh, that, that, you know, they need to perform better. They need to protect Mike Ryan better, and they need to run the ball better. Some of that's the running back, but it's not all on the running back. This was a very underperforming offensive line. On defense, this this group is going to change, I think, pretty dramatically as the season goes on because people have to kind of fit into niche, niches and, 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 and the coaches have to get to know them and understand what they can do with them. So this is really a work in progress, but for purposes of, of, of uh, lining up now, Tuluoti, uh, Marinier, Jacob uh, lines up at left defensive end, Grady Jarrett, returning veteran at defensive tackle, Tyler Davidson, the underachieving Dante Fowler at right defensive end. They, achieved, they, they got him in a trade. He's a first-round draft choice who's never really lived up to the billing. Um, Mikael Walker, Deion Jones at middle linebacker. He's a he's a fixture, and uh, I, I can't produce I can't pronounce uh, Olakun's uh, first name, uh, but he's a strong linebacker. <laughs> yeah, in, I don't even want to give it a try. Yeah, it's not a yeah. in the uh, in in at the cornerbacks AJ Terrell and Kendall Sheffield, and then Deron Harmon, a, a vest uh, you know. A, a uh, long-time veteran uh, coming over from the New England Patriots and Richie Grant, the rookie at free safety. Young Ho Koo had an outstanding year as a kicker last year. Um, he returns along with Sterling Hoffrichter as the punter. Patterson will be the kick returner, and he's dynamite there. He does not return punts. That's likely to be Chris Rowland. So while this is not, this will be a respectable year, I think, uh, an injury to Matt Ryan or an injury to Mike Davis could make it a disaster area. Um, and uh, and we don't know what the defense is going to be. We don't know, except that I don't see any real difference makers there. Um, so this is a very definitely a work in progress. Um, and there's still more cutting to do because of the issue with uh, the cap, which brings us to Julio Jones. Julio Jones yesterday on television said that uh, he was, quote, out of there, close quote. Also, he Uh, didn't know he was on television. Well, I I think later in the interview, he was was reminded that he was on television. Yeah, no, are are we going to start calling people on the show and not telling them? He repeated his, he repeated his, his comments. Yeah. And, and, um, so, so I suspect he'll be on the market. He's 32 years of age, which is the wall 
That's the end point for receivers. After that, it's markedly downhill. He's not played 16 games in two years. Uh, he doesn't practice a lot anymore because of injuries. And he clearly has slowed down some. So the, the dilemma that the, that the Falcons find themselves in is, you know, reportedly today they were asking for a one. Well, you know, I could ask for a one for my dog, too. It doesn't mean right. I get it. <laughs> well, I you never her, know. Rick, Rick might give you a one. You don't know. You never know. You know, as Marv Levy used to say, if you don't ask, you don't get. So exactly. Um, uh, but but there, there's no chance that anyone will give a one for him. Um, he's got an eleven million dollars salary, and so if you're going to absorb that salary, which obviously the Falcons can't, otherwise they wouldn't be trading him. Even if the Falcons absorb half, they're not helping themselves cap wise greatly. So if you're going to absorb the salary, why would you give them anything even close to a premium draft choice? Right. So you're looking at a sixth here, potentially, uh, if if the if the acquiring club eats the salary, accepts the salary. Um, so this is not an easy trade to do, which is good news for the talking heads on television. They have plenty to bloviate about, and on the on the internet they have plenty to bloviate about for the next probably month uh, before something gets done here. But um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him move. Um, the cap issues do not come into play until the cut to 53. So the Falcons don't have to do anything with their cap until, um, well, they do if they're going to sign rookies. Uh, they have to at least free that room up. Um, so un un until the opening of camp, they really don't have to, they're not forced to do a heck of a lot. But this is for Terry and Arthur, the new uh, general manager and head coach, respectively, Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith. This is not an enviable position to be in. It is not. It's really bad. And in hindsight, even though I'm not a believer in tearing things down and tanking, in hindsight, it might have been better to tear this down. Yeah, because do you by moving Julio? Do you regret redoing Matt Ryan's deal? You yes. Think now, yes. Well, couldn't can I, not to do my Doctor Falcon question, and our serious crossover fans will know. But is there any logic to moving on from a player like Grady Jarrett and trying to keep Julio in the fold for one more year? No, Grady Jarrett has football in front of him. Uh, right. Julio does not. No, okay. that makes no sense at all. You know, Julio's done for all intents and purposes. You know, if he goes to another club, um, you know, he might have a year or two left in him, but that, that's that's not going to affect the Falcons going forward. Right. So, you know, they're in a bind. They're in a bind. Yeah, they it, are. It is a bleak, bleak outlook in Atlanta. All right, here we go, Rick. Take us to Carolina. But to set the stage, some of us are now in full winter clothing for the show as they play as they play through injury. Well, you, you know, yet you, when you're when you're injured, you have to make equipment adjustments. You do. So I'm looking sharp. All right, so we're we're go, we're, go, we're going to we're going to uh, Charlotte more ways than one. So you know, for a team that's was five and eleven, I think the numbers uh, are not surprising. Uh, in Bill in points per game, they were 24th in the league at just about 22 points a game. Uh, they were 17th in average yards. Um, per play at 5.6. 
They were tied for 15th uh, in passing yards for, per attempt at 6.9. Uh, so they were middle of the pack there. Uh, on, on the rushing side, they were tied for 19th at 4.2, below your acceptable number. Uh, in terms of sacks, uh, they were they did okay there. They were sixth in the league. They only allowed 2.2 uh, per game. Uh, on defense, uh, they were 18th and allowed 25.1 points per game. Uh, they, they, they gave up a little over 360 yards a game. In passing, they were not bad, ranked ninth. Uh, averaging 6.5 yards a pass uh, with rushing. not the, They're lowly ranked, but the number wasn't horrible. They were tied for 25th, but at 4.7. Uh, they were 23rd uh, in, in sacks by their defense, uh, averaging 1.8. Their, their point differential became out at a minus 3.2, and they were uh, plus 0.1 on the Turnover margin. So, Bill, you know, the Panthers have fallen a long way since you put that squad together that made it to the NFC Championship game in only the second year of existence of the franchise, which, as I'm sure the fans know, uh, no NFL team has done before or since. And actually, no major in our major four sports, no one had ever done it then. And the only team that has surpassed that is the Golden Knights in the NHL. Uh, out there in Las Vegas, which they got to the Stanley Cup Finals in their first year. So, uh, Bill, as you say, I mean, some of the numbers kind of reached the level of mediocrity. Some uh, were really bad. Um, How do you see uh, their future, both in terms of with the cap room that they have? Um, This was a shakedown cruise for Matt Rule and company, Uh, brand new staff. Uh, not a lot of NFL experience on the staff. So it, it gave them an opportunity to learn about the league, learn about their players, um, get themselves in a situation where they had a firm hand on, handle on what they had and did not have. And um, I think by and large, this has been a successful offseason. Their losses can be uh, really capsulized by the loss of three Pretty um, productive players. Curtis Samuel, who went to the Redskins, uh, I'm sorry, the Washington football, football team, team. Yep. for a um, $23 million guarantee on a three-year deal. Uh, Mike Davis, we mentioned just a little while ago, who went to the Falcons for $3 million guaranteed. And Chris Manhurts, uh, a, a tight end who's really a blocking tight end, um, who went to Jacksonville surprisingly on a two-year deal with 4.2 guaranteed. Um, it's a lot of money for blocking tight end, but so be it. Uh, all the rest of the guys that left, Stephen Weatherly, Effie Adobe, Michael, the punter, Michael Pilardi, Zach Kerr, Chris Reed, Alex uh, Ama, uh, he resigned actually, Tyler Larson, Rasul Douglas, Corn Elder, Woodrow Hamilton, uh, they're all just role players. So the three the three that I mentioned were starters that they lost, Samuel Manners and Davis. So they had to replace them. Um, here's what they added. Obviously, the big trade for Sam Darnold uh, in return for a sixth-round pick and a second and fourth in 22. So, um, you know, 
if he if he works out, it's a great trade. If he doesn't, it, right? <laughs> it's really that simple. It's a lot like life. Yes. the The New York Post is already writing headlines for Week One. Yes, they're going to play in Week One. So yeah, yeah. Um, that that'll that'll certainly give one franchise to the other a root canal to start the season, yeah, thanks exactly. to the NFL office. Um, wide receiver David Moore signed a two-year contract. Uh, you know, he, he'll be a contributor. Dan Arnold is a better tight end than most people know. He's very reliable. He can catch the ball. He can block a little bit. Not bad. Um, Cam Irving signed as an offensive tackle. Taylor Moten received the franchise tag. Um, the franchise tag was really from Moten um, was really kind of a life preserver for the franchise because they did not have a left tackle. There was none on the market. There didn't look like anyone was going to come their way. So tag him for a year and see if he improves. Um, The offensive line was a disaster area this past year. They added Pat Elfline, who I think is a, a, a pretty good pickup. He'll play offensive guard. John Miller's an off gets added an offensive guard. Daquan Jones, defensive tackle, comes in, and he's he's not a bad uh, run player. At neither is Morgan Fox, um, who signed for a seven million guarantee. Uh, he too is a is a three four a three front. This is a three three five defense. Um, he's a three front defensive tackle. Denzel Denzel Perryman comes in uh, on a two year deal as the middle linebacker. That's the one I don't quite get. Um, but we'll see. I mean, somebody knows something about him on the coaching staff, I think. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, we'll see how he pans out. Um, the big hit or miss will be Hassan Reddick. Um, he comes over from the Arizona Cardinals where he played one year at outside linebacker, which is where he belonged. They had him at inside linebacker previous to that. Um, He's well known uh, to Coach Rule from his time in uh, in, in in the Big East, um, and he he had uh, twelve and a half sacks this past season as an outside linebacker. Five and a half came against the Giants. Now you could make an argument that the three of us could get five and a half sacks against the Giants, but the fact of the matter is that he did have a big year. And I do think he has pass rush ability going all the way back to having seen him as a collegiate. Um, so if he pans out and Sam Donald pans out, they have gotten two players who can take them down the road to respectability fast. If Reddick pans out, then I think the defense will get better and get better quickly. If Darnold does not pan out, then they're going to struggle offensively. But so be it. I mean, that's the way it is. A.J. Bouye comes over and signs a seven-year, two-year, uh, uh, $7 million guaranteed contract to play corner for Sean Melvin on a one-year deal. And J.J. Jansen, who has been here almost as long as I have in Charlotte, right. uh, he, he came in soon after I left. Uh, the longest-serving snapper probably in the National Football League, but he's he's back again for another another go-round. Um, 
I thought their draft was pretty good. Um, J.C. Horn is a rough-and-ready corner from South Carolina. I think you're going to see a lot of liberal officiating in the secondary this year. If that's the case, J.C. will benefit greatly um, because he's a he's a, a rock'em, suck'em, uh, you know, punch-in-the-mouth kind of corner. Um he is the, now the good thing about him is that he plays with his feet as opposed to Eli Apple, who played with his hands. Uh, but this kid's going to get a lot of flags early, uh, but he'll fight his way through it. I think they took Terrace Marshall in the second round from LSU. He's a big, tall guy who can run like the wind. He's he's green. He's, he doesn't have outstanding finish polished to his route running and and the hands are, are are not what you'd like joe brady coached him at louisiana state obviously he stood on the table for him because he probably would not have gone in the second round had brady not done it we'll find out we'll right. find out what he does mm-hmm. i don't know that he's an instant success he reminds me in, to some degree of Robbie Anderson, who they have and who they right. resuscitated. Robbie Anderson went to the Jets, and and uh, they they he did only one thing: run nine routes. Um, he came here, and they they made him into a, a bona fide receiver. So maybe the same thing happens here. I hope for their sake it does. Brady Christensen is a uh, a nice tight end for Brigham Young, more of a traditional tight end. Tommy Trimble is a non-traditional tight end. He's a bulldozer uh, masquerading as a tight end. He can be a fullback, a tight end. Uh, you could put him at guard, I think, in a pinch. He, he's, he's, he's just a, he's just a knock-you-back, punch-you-in-the-mouth blocker. He needs to improve his route running, um, <clears throat> but I think he's going to be um, a good addition, and they help themselves at that position with those two guys. Um, and the free agent edition. Chuba Hubbard um, it, it was drafted in the fourth round. This, is, I think, is a great pickup. He will back up run CMC, uh, who is arguably the best running back in the league, and Chuba can go get it. And in addition to that, he's really a good pass catcher. So y- you could see if Brady wants to be creative, you could see these two guys in the backfield at the same time in nickel situations. Go ahead and try and cover either of them with a linebacker. Right. Have fun with that. You're, you're looking at dime to do before you bat an eye, you know, yeah. six DBs. Nobody's going to try and cover these guys with linebackers. They can't do it. Davion Nixon, hard nosed defensive tackle from Iowa. Like the pick very much. Um, I think he's, I think he's going to turn out to be, a very, very solid road play, role player. Keith Taylor, corner from Washington, uh, again, solid role player. Deontay Brown, um, big road grader from Alabama. I don't know quite how he'll work out as a, as a pass protector, but we'll see. Shai Smith is an interesting wide receiver from South Carolina. He can run. Uh, he's a pretty good route runner, and he's, and he's really good with the ball in his hands after the catch. So um, I'm, you know, that was a, in the sixth round, I, I was jumping up and down about that pick. I thought that was a good pick. 
and I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see him make the team. Thomas Fletcher is a long snapper from Alabama, so J.J. has competition. I'll put my money on J.J. when it's all said and done. But Yeah, um, <laughs> a bit of an institution there. So, yeah. yeah, and Phil Hoskins is a defensive tackle from Kentucky. Uh, he does have a chance to make the team because I think that, as we'll see when we go through the depth chart, defensive tackles an area where they don't have a lot of players. They don't have any retired players because nobody stayed around long enough to retire. Uh, but um, here's the here's the way the offense sets up. Um, Sam Donald, at quarterback, backed up by P.J. Walker, Will Greer, and Tommy Stevens. You know, uh, if you're a Panther fan, say a prayer every day that Sam, exactly. Sam stays yeah. healthy. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, but they got a Penn Stater in the room, or a former one. Yeah, a former one, right. Uh, CMC, Christian McCaffrey at running back, backed up by Chuba Hubbard, Rodney Smith, and uh, Reggie Bonifant. Christian and Chuba as a as a tandem, I really like. I think it's an upgrade over Mike Davis. Chuba's got some home run ability, both in the passing and run game. Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and David Moore as the wide receivers. I like that group a lot. Um, and we'll see if uh, if Therese Marshall uh, can can blossom. Uh, and, and we'll see if Shai Smith plays a role in there, too. I mean, that's two young guys that, that you, you, you'd say, hmm, you know, they got a chance to improve. Dan Arnold, uh, good addition at tight end, backed up by Tommy Trimble. That's, that's buckle it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. Here's where the problem is. Um, Cam Irving, left tackle, Pat Elfine, Matt Paradis, they're fine inside, although Matt and Pat have some age on them, but offensive linemen tend to play a long time. John Miller and Tyler Moulton, the issue is tackle. Are they going to get good tackle play from both Cam Arnold, uh, Cam Irving, excuse me, and Tyler Moulton? If they do, that's going to help Sam greatly. If they don't, it's going to impede his progress a lot because the one thing you don't want Sam doing is going outside the pocket trying to imitate Patrick Mahomes. Because right. when he does, good things don't happen. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the reverse. It's the it's the bizarro world. Yeah, you'd like him to yeah. be in the pocket uh, using that big arm and that ability to move around and create openings and driving the ball. That When he does that, he's a pretty good quarterback. But if the line holds up, this is on paper seems like a little bit of an exciting young offense. Exactly. Well, don't forget you got a running game now with with both Christian yeah. back from injury and Chuba, um, yeah. that, that can do some things, and that's that's important. Yeah. I don't think this is a fun team to play in this division. No, probably not. Yeah, no. probably not. And you know, and and I think my my feeling about Donald is I echo what you're saying, Scott. That. Uh, it, it, it certainly, I don't think it would surprise me if he really does step up and do well there. And, and with those guys around him, certainly much easier to do even far better than he did with the Jets in terms of the supporting cast. Those yeah, he, he did not have an outstanding supporting cast with the Jets. On defense, Hassan Rick and uh, and Brian Burns are the outside rushers. Brian Burns is uh, the best player that nobody knows. He's really a good rusher. Um as we said before, if Hassan Riddick pans out, that will have been a really good signing. Uh, Riverian Roy and Derek Brown, who's last year's number one draft choice, saw the tackles. Derek Brown, 
that took a lot of heat here in Charlotte because they expected him to come in and get 15 sacks, which is impossible. Right. Uh, but he played well. He got better as the season went along, got more confidence. Uh, they'll be singing a different tune in the Charlotte media next year, I think. He'll be, he will have blossomed into the player that we all thought he would be coming in. Shaq Thompson is really a good outside linebacker and a good nickel linebacker. Jerome Carter, not Perryman. Again, he's probably there to be a first down linebacker. Um, Patty Fisher is a, a, a poor man's Luke Keekley in that he doesn't have anywhere near the athletic ability that Luke Keekley had, which was rare. But he does have Luke's, Luke's smart smarts and instincts. So look for him to be on the field before it's all said and done. Um, right. Maybe not a nickel, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's the middle linebacker on first and and, and second down at some point this season. Um, and he was coached in college by Pat Fitzgerald, which which he's really he's really what Pat was as a player. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you want a comparison, that's that's who they are. It's funny. It's um, right. <clears throat> um, Dante Jackson. And J.C. Horn will be the corners, AJ, backed up by A.J. Bouye, who's on a suspension uh, at, the, at the beginning of the season. And Troy Pride Jr., who came in as, a, I believe, a, it was certainly a second-day draft choice from Notre Dame, but made the team and played well as a, as a, a nickel. Jeremy Chin is a blossoming star. Uh, in the 3-3-5, three, three, he's the three or the five, depending on how they want to align and what they want to do with him. He's sort of the Swiss army knife. He's he's, they found a home for him and they're only going to expand his role more. He can do a lot of things. He can cover, he can tackle, he's got instincts, he can run, he's tough. Uh, he can blitz. So this is a blossoming star and, and they know how to use him. Phil Snow is a defensive coordinator. Um, he, he knows how to use him. And um, so th- this is a, you know, they've got on this group Reddick, Burns, Brown, Chin. That's a pretty good foundation, I would say, of difference makers, of guys who are potentially difference makers. So I look for this defense to play better than people think it's going to. If Reddick <coughs> Can, can get 10 sacks, doesn't have to get 12 and a half. If he can get 10 uh, and take some of the heat off Burns, who's really outstanding, this will be a good defense. This will be a good defense. So look for them to improve on defense. On offense, we'll see because we don't know what Sam Darnold is going to be. We do know that he'll have CMC and Chuba Hubbard to hand the ball to, so that's going to help. In the first instance. Yep. But running game and good defense, you could win some games in Carolina. Some games, especially in this division. Yeah. Um, Joey Sly returns as the uh, as the place kicker. Uh, Joseph Charlton as the uh, punter. DJ Moore as the punt returner, and he's really good at it. And Trenton Cameron as the, uh, as the kick returner. And as I said before, the venerable J.J. Jansen perhaps back for an encore season as uh, as the long snapper. Uh, I don't know that they've brought in competition for J.J. 
in recent memory. So this will be a hot camp battle. Yeah. Well, well you know, JJ's approaching 40. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, are, uh, are they are they on hard knocks, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's that's the uh, that's the, the Carolina Panthers. I would say the outlook is for defensive improvement and general across the board improvement, Mm -hmm. depending on how Darnold does, this could be a team that could go to eight and eight. Yeah. You know, and you know, the running game's going to pick back up this year. Well, yeah. If CMC stays healthy and Hubbard can do the job. Yeah. It'll get better. So this is a team that could go to eight and eight, maybe even beyond if they got a break or two. Right. All right, so where are we going now, Rick? Well, we're moving from the ridiculous end of this division to the sublime end, and we're going to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, finished at 13-4 and four last year. Uh, they were fifth in points per game at uh, 29.1. They were tied for 12th in, t- in combined yards uh, with at 5.7. Uh, in terms of passing yards, they were tied for 10th at 7.1. Uh, in their, their rush was right on the button at 4.5, which put them at 11th. Uh, and they uh, gave up 1.7 sacks per game, which put them 8th in the league. On the defensive side, uh, numbers are very impressive. Uh, in, in terms of points allowed, they ranked 3rd in the league at 20.9, Bill. Uh, in terms of combined yards allowed, they were second, giving up only 307 yards a game. And passing yards allowed, they were tied for fifth at 6.2. Uh, in terms of rushing yards allowed, uh, they were tied with the Bucks actually, for, for second, giving up 3.8. Uh, and they registered 2.6 sacks per game, which placed them in a tie for the eighth spot in the league. Uh, in terms of the, the putting it all together, uh, their point differential, they were fourth, the fourth best point differential in the league at 8.2, plus 8.2. Their turnover margin was a positive one, again, tied for ninth at uh, this is per game at 0.2. So, uh, Bill, let me, I, I'd like you to start off with a question that's a little outside the box from what we're doing here. And just comment, because you have uh, an unusually high degree of experience what happens when you lose not just a, a, uh, a legendary quarterback, but a, a legendary quarterback who has been the, a long, long time mainstay? When you lose a Jim Kelly, when you lose a Peyton Manning, or in this case, a Drew Brees. How, do, how as a whole franchise, do, you know, d- does that really, uh, how do they take that hit? How do the coaches keep them moving ahead and so on? Well, First of all, those guys are irreplaceable. Talent like that doesn't come along every year. Doesn't come along maybe once in a generation. So there's that. No one's going to replace them. Sure. Someone else is going to play quarterback, but nobody's going to replace them. Secondly, people don't understand the chemistry of the locker room. Mm Mm-hmm and the chemistry of the field on bench on game day as it's affected by those special guys. And that's it's most specially affected by the quarterback because he touches the ball on every play. 
So when you have a special guy, he not only and, and, and if he's the kind of person that Kelly and Manning and Drew were or are, he becomes the heartbeat of your team and he becomes the driving force for your team. He's the heartbeat of the team because everybody realizes that with him, they have a chance every week and every season they have a chance to go all the way. And that's a really, really important mindset to have in the locker room, in the weight room, in the meeting rooms. Um, I've told this story numerous times, but it bears repeating in this context. The year we lost Peyton, our last year in Indianapolis, we were standing outside the hotel ready to get on the bus to go to the game to play a team in our division that we wouldn't have batted an eye about playing any time in the the previous 14 years. Um, We would have said, oh, yeah, we got these guys. Okay, Mm -hmm. let's go beat them and go home and move on to the next thing. And so one of the coaches said to me, you know, for the last 14 years we've been getting on this bus knowing that every week we have a 50% chance to win the game, no matter what else happens. We got a 50% chance to win because 18's sitting there in the back of the bus. 18 was Peyton Manning's number, of course. And the thing is that the coaches and the players believe that. And they know that all they have to do is to do their jobs in in an ordinary way. If you do it in an extraordinary way, that's great. But even in an ordinary way, if they do their jobs, no matter what happens, bad officiating, turnovers, bad bounce of the ball, injuries, as long as they keep playing hard, 18 may find a way. Yep. Yep. And, and, and Drew Brees will find a way and Jim Kelly will find a way and Tom Brady will find a way. And, and, and so he becomes that guy becomes the heartbeat without him. Everyone heart, everyone's heart beats irregularly. Mm-hmm. They're worried. Right. You're an AFib. You're, yeah, you're an AFib. That's exactly right. That's exactly a, right. You need a pacemaker and it's tough to get in this league. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. It's tough to get one of those on game day. And, right. and, and so instead when he's on that bus and he's with you, everybody's nice and steady. Whatever the blood pressure is supposed to be, 120 right. over 70, that's what it is. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody's cool. Let's go play. Yep. Um, so, and that's true of the play callers, the, the coaches. It's true of everyone. Mm-hmm. So that's what that guy means. That's what he means. The other thing he means to the locker room is that he is the iron dome which prevents the team from being beaten upon by the media because he's the first place that they go, win or lose, and he sets the tone. And if he stands up in his his press conference, which, by the way, in the locker room after the game, everybody can see because it's piped in on the in-house television feed, and he stands up after a loss and says, well, we didn't play very well today, um, but you know what? We'll be a hell of a lot better next week. Uh, and I don't have much more to say than that. Anybody got any questions? So somebody will ask him a, an intemperate question. And, 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 you know, he's likely to give 
in Drew's case, he would give a long, convoluted answer that didn't really mean anything. <laughs> Peyton would kind of mumble a little bit. Jim Kelly would grouse some. <laughs> but the guys in the locker room were going, yeah, okay, great, thanks, buddy. So when the reporters leave that press conference, they come in to talk to the rest of the team. You know what they hear? The very same thing the quarterback just said over closed-circuit television. Right. So, and, and if there is internal strife of some kind in the team, which really there wasn't a whole heck of a lot of, you know, I, I don't believe there's a heck of a lot in New Orleans and there wasn't a heck of a lot in Buffalo or Indianapolis with us. But if there is, and that guy stands up in a team meeting and says, hold it, this is the way we're going to do things, that's the way it's going to get done. Right. Because he's already garnered support from his veteran buddies on the team, and that's the way it's going to be. Yep. So yep. they are the universal solvents. They make yep. you competitive yep. on, on a daily basis. They prevent outside intrusions from coming in and causing problems. They provide support and cultural affinity for new players. Um, and And when that guy is gone – you're going to miss him on the field, and that's what everybody will talk and write about. Right. But they're going to miss him even more in the locker room, on the bus, on the plane. Yep. Uh, Peyton Manning, for example, we were kidding around about this, a bunch of us looking forward to his induction in Canton this coming August. Peyton was the disc jockey on the plane on uh, on flights home, winning flights home. And there were a lot of them. I think we won 115 games in eight years or something like that. It's 10 years. I, I I don't know exactly what the number is, but there are a lot of wins. And 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 we had a lot of wins on the road, including some incredible comebacks like the Monday night in Tampa and things like that. And Peyton would be the disc jockey. And so we would all submit to him our choices, our playlists, and then he would decide what was going to be played. And so, uh, you know, we, the, the, the coaches used to, and, and, and the staff used to sit in front. And so, for example, Folsom Prison Blues by Johnny Cash was one of our favorites. So Peyton would get on and he'd say, well, here's one for the old guys up front, Johnny Cash. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody looked forward to it. It became a a tradition. Uh, He had a joke and a dig for everybody. The the Saturday Night Live, Peyton was the disc jockey. And, and, uh, and, And, you know, we saw that. On road trips long before America saw him on Saturday Night Live. But that all adds to the the chemistry, the camaraderie, the culture of the team. And uh, uh, I, I forget who we beat, but it, it, it was a big game. Might have been a, a game to clinch the division or something like that. Um, and the plane was a little late getting loaded in in. And so we're kind of hanging around the tarmac, walking out to the plane and, and, and Peyton seated on a baggage carrier with the entire offensive line. They're all smoking cigars. You know, that's, that's the, yeah, that's the, that's the camaraderie that you build. And that, that guy helps, he's the catalyst for all of that. So that sounds silly. But over the course of a six-month season, it, it's it's really important, and all of that is gone. Yeah. So, so uh, thank you, 
for that answer. It's what, what you know, I, I, I think it's probably if, if, if our, our, our listeners who are athletes themselves, when they were in high school or when they played ball in college, there was on their level, there was a sort of a guy like that. But I just, I, I, that's what I was hoping you would talk about was it's not just, uh, you know, being able to complete that tough over, you know, cross uh, of the middle, uh, third down pass play. It's so much more than that. Those guys, as you talked about, were just um, the platform on which everything else rested. So, uh, uh, and they're irreplaceable. So it, it, that's going to be a, a tough thing for the Saints, no matter who plays quarterback for them uh, in the next few years. Yeah, it is. And it's going to be a tough thing for uh, Sean Payton because he's had Drew as his wingman for all these years. So it's going to be, it's going to be different and it's going to take some getting used to. And whoever wins the starting quarterback job, I don't envy him because uh, there's an old saying in this business, never succeed a legend. Yep. And, uh, and there you have it. Um, the guys, they lost in free agency quite a few because they had cap issues. Um, they, I believe they won 49 games in three years which is the, the most games won by a team that hasn't made the Super Bowl. They should have. They were robbed, of course, yeah. as we remember, in the championship game against the Rams. Um, but that, that doesn't change the result any. Um, so Trey Hendrickson leaves and goes to Cincinnati on a four-year deal for 16 guaranteed. He had a nice uh, year sack-wise. He's not a natural, I'll beat you with my own natural ability type sacker, but he's a very hard worker. Not diff, not very different than Chad Bradsky, who we signed to a, a big contract in Indianapolis when we first came there. He was opposite Michael Strahan in New York. Um, Janoris Jenkins leaves, goes to Tennessee. He's age 33. He, he's kind of at the end. Probably time to move on. They're going to miss Sheldon Rankins. He goes to the Jets uh, for uh, $6 million guaranteed, which is really kind of interesting, but I think they were pressed up against the cap. He's a, he's a solid player. He's a solid player. They'll miss him. Justin Hardy is, uh, goes to the Jets uh, as well. Emmanuel Sanders uh, goes to Buffalo. He'll help Buffalo. He's a good, solid role-playing wide receiver. Um, Jared Cook, uh, 34-year-old tight end, uh, goes to Detroit. Uh, I'm sorry, goes to the Chargers. Um, you know, good, solid player approaching the end. Uh, Alex Anzalone is really a good linebacker, but he can't stay healthy, unfortunately. Uh, he's 27. He goes to Detroit uh, on, a, on a minimum salary contract. Josh Hill was a backup tight end, and Michael Burton uh, backup fullback. So Hendrickson, Jenkins, Rankins, pretty big losses. Right. Pretty big losses. Couldn't be helped, by the way, but that's the way it is. Uh, re-signed or added players. Jameis Winston, one year, $5.5 million. Um, that's more than I would have paid him, but but they they need him. So, you know, they needed somebody at the position. There he is. Um, Ty Montgomery, one year. Uh, I, I think this is a really good pickup. They need a backup and uh, at running back, and Ty Montgomery is a very reliable backup, both run and pass. 
Alex Armagh um, steps in at fullback. Nick Vanette signed a three-year deal. Nick Vanette's a blue-collar tight end, um, pretty, you know, pretty good player. James Hurst, um, offensive lineman, three-year deal, good pickup. Tano uh, Passignon, uh, I really like. Uh, he's he's gonna he's gonna replace uh, the kid that left, and 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 might have as much production. I mean, he's really a he's a, a gifted natural pass rusher. Um, P.J. Williams one year deal to play cornerback, and Marcus Williams received the franchise tag um, at, at safety. Um, their draft was really non-existent. They didn't have many choices. Um, but Peyton Turner, the defensive end they picked from Houston, I think is a is a really solid pick. Uh, it's going to take him a while because he's, um, he, he's, he's still got a lot to learn about the position, but I think, I think in the end he's going to be a good pick. Um, Pete Werner will step in and play where Anzalone did. Uh, on 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 first and second downs, and maybe even in nickel, he's really smart. He's big. He can run. He's instinctive. Um, he's going to be a, 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 I think, a big producer. Um, Paulson Adebo. Uh, he, he's a rock'em sock'em corner from from uh, from Stanford. Um, I think he'll make the team and contribute. The interesting guy, of course, is going to be Ian Book. Um, he he is not Drew Brees by a long shot. Uh, he's not not nearly as accurate as Drew, nor and as anticipatory as Drew. If he can learn to anticipate and release the ball before the receiver is open, and and he's learning under the best guy he could possibly learn under in Sean Payton he might have a chance down the road to be a winning quarterback because he is a winner. And there are guys who are winners and guys who are losers, and Ian Book is a winner. He proved that. He's the winningest quarterback in the history of Notre Dame. That says a lot when you're talking about Joe all the guys that have been and all the guys that have worn the blue and gold. Yeah, for sure. um, Ian Book is a winner. So, But he's got to learn to release the ball on time. He's got to learn to throw it before the receiver is open, um, before he sees the receiver open. If he can do that, um, and he can take care of himself in the right, he's got, he's got to, you know, he can't be making a living with his legs at his size in the National Football League. But I wouldn't close the book on Ian Book, and no pun intended. Exactly. I think he's, I think he's got a chance. Um, Obviously, I saw, I saw him a lot, uh, but, um, you know, there's a lot of good things there. Uh, the depth chart has Jameis Winston on the top, Taysom Hill as the backup. Um, we'll see. Let's see what happens. Um, I can't imagine anybody could live with 30 interceptions. Bruce Aarons and, and, and Sean Payton are in a very small group of people who are outstanding developers and coaches of quarterbacks. I guess my feeling is if Bruce Aarons couldn't get it out of him, why will Sean Payton? But for Sean's sake and the, and the Saints' sake, I hope they do. He's talented, 
but he has the interception gene. That's the bottom line. Um, if that changes, then they have a chance to be pretty good. If it doesn't, then, you know, we'll, we'll be seeing a lot of Taysom Hill, I, I, I think. Exactly. And that's a different offense than the one that Jameis would operate. Mm-hmm. Alan Kamara, we know, is a is a, is a a proven commodity. Uh, and I think Latavius Murray is back as his running mate. Ty Montgomery is a, you know, be a good third down addition there, I think. Michael Thomas, outstanding receiver. Twyke Smith, developing and growing. Marcus Calloway, the same way. Two young guys that still have a lot of growth uh, to go. Deontay Harris is also in that in that boat, but Smith and Callaway are the erstwhile starters, and I would I would bet heavily on them succeeding if Drew were there, but he's not. So, will whoever the quarterback is develop the kind of chemistry that he needs to? develop these guys into the kind of receivers that you need to have to win championships. Um, that's the question. Mm-hmm. Adam Troutman, I, I think, is a, is a solid blue-collar, multi-talented tight end. I really like him. Vanette is a, is a, is a good backup. The offensive line, Taron Armstrong, Andres Pete, Eric McCoy, who uh, one of his teammates today, today said quietly is on his uh, the, the he said Eric McCoy quietly is on his way to becoming the best center in the National Football League. I agree with that. He's really developing. Cesar Ruiz had a had a rough start to his rookie year, but then stepped in and did a you know stabilized and did a nice job down the stretch. And Ryan Ramchek remains a, a really good uh, right tackle. So that's a that that's a good that's a good group. So. The question is, who's the quarterback and what can he do? Because for all intents and purposes, except for the second wide receiver slot, everybody's the same, that team that won 49 games over the last three years. Right. And a team that should be able to run the ball with a pretty decent defense. Yep. Defensively, um, they've done a nice job over time. Uh, and, you know, this remains still a solid group. Cameron Jordan, very solid player, backed up by Passignan, who will play a lot. Um, Malcolm Roach, David Onyemata inside, Marcus Davenport. Marcus now has has to really take the next step. He has to become a force. He's a solid player right now that you have to account for. But he's got the ability to be a force. And so this is the year that he has to step forward and be a force. Uh, Demario Davis is an outstanding all-pro linebacker. He's the heartbeat of the defense. They need him in there for 17 games. Zach Braun's pretty solid. And, and you know, I'm looking for Pete Warner to step in and start. I think he will. Um, and, and that'll, you know... They won't miss a beat. I'd be surprised if they miss a beat. Um, the second there is a little concerning. C.K. Uh, Jake Gar- Gardner Johnson and Adebo, um, you know, have to exert themselves and have to play well. Malcolm Jenkins is uh, is, is you know one step from the old folks' home, but he he's uh, right. he's a solid. At least solid, he's one step out. Yeah, he's a solid yeah. player, and 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 he'll be a, a very 
stabilizing influence back there. Uh, Marcus Williams is is a good young player, and Marshawn Lattimore we know is a a really good corner. So, um, um, you know, this is a defense that should probably be as good as it was a year ago. And if Warner steps in and and, and matures quickly, it may even be better if Marcus Davenport can become a force. Um, Will Lutz is an outstanding place kicker. Blake uh, Gillikin is an outstanding punter. Um, Marcus Calloway is a really good punt returner. Ty Montgomery is a good kick returner. So all of that, all of the special teams are solid. Um, so the the question is, ostensibly, they'll be a little bit better on defense, I think, because I think Warner will come faster than most most would expect a rookie to. And I think if Jenkins can stay healthy, he stabilizes the secondary and Williams will come fast. Um, the, the, other, the, the other corner is a question mark. But let's call the defense status quo. Let's call the offense status quo. Quarterback. Yeah. That's, that's it. There's one big decision point. That's yep. it. Yep. yep. And it may be, it may be that the quarterback who can win for them is not in the building. Yeah, that's right. entirely possible. I hope not, but it's entirely possible. But this is a team with their ability to run the football, play defense. If you just don't turn the ball over from the quarterback position, they should be a playoff team, right? You would think so. Yes, you would think so. That's the scary bet with the guy that's turned it over more than anybody steering the ship of a team where you can't turn it over. That's exactly yeah. right. Which may mean that you go to a totally different offense with Taysom Hill at the at the at the helm. I mean, it could right. it, it could mean that. It could mean that. Now it's hard to win a Super Bowl with a with a non traditional quarterback. I mean, we know that from Baltimore, but yeah. you can win and get in the playoffs that way. It's also going to be fun to have Sean Payton with a full off season in a weird way with no Drew Brees to dream up how this might work. Well, we'll see. I'm I, I'm anxious to see. It's fun to watch. Well, yep. Scott, maybe some of your buddies can come up with uh, like an RNA based vaccine to get rid of the interception gene. Yeah, there you go. I don't know if that's coming. <laughs> All right, let's round this out. You know, and as Bill has told us so many times uh, during the course of our shows, the numbers do not lie. So when you go to the Super Bowl champs in Tampa. Let's look at the offense first. Listen to the ranks along with just the raw numbers. In points per game, second in the league at 30.8 points per game. Combined yards uh, in the league, they were sixth at, eight, at 6.0. Uh, yards per pass, they were eighth at 7.4. This one was a little off. Uh, their yards per rush, uh, they were 23rd. Uh, but they were third in, in uh, giving up the fewest sacks on the defense. Uh, points allowed, they were seventh, giving up t- only 21.6. Combined yards allowed, they were eighth, giving up 331. Passing yards, they were ranked seventh in terms of being the stingiest. Uh, rushing yards allowed, they were tied for second with New Orleans. In terms of sacks per game that the defense registered, they averaged 2.9, which came out as a tie for fifth. Uh, when we when we put those together, and this is where it, it all comes down, the, in point differential, they were number one in the league at 
with a 9.1 positive differential. And in margin of turnovers, they were number one in the league with plus 0.7 per game. And and therein lies the story. Uh, Bill, I can't recall a time in the, in the, let's call it the meaningful free agency era that a Super Bowl champion brought back its all 24 starters. And I say 24 because it's all the offense, all the defense and their kicker um, and their punter. Uh, was this, the, the specific talent aside, just the ability to do that, was uh, was that sort of to, uh, to paraphrase Brent Ricky, the residue of some ingenious design? Uh, or was that just where guys were in their careers and what the market was and so on? I mean, how... How is it? Has, has any, can you remember anything I can't? Can you ever remember another Super Bowl team that was able to do that? And how did they do it? Well, they did it for a couple of reasons. Number one, because of COVID, the free agent market tanked. And so many guys were going out on the free agent market who thought that they were going to hit the jackpot um, did not because there were only one-year deals were available and things like that. So they said to themselves, listen, we got a great coach who takes care of us. We got a, the greatest quarterback ever. We got a tremendous team. We won the Super Bowl. We're playing in Tampa, Florida, where there's no state income tax, and the sun shines every day. Every day. Yep. And a lot of fun. And a lot of fun. That's right. Especially when you're winning. If you have to take short money, why would we leave? And that's exactly what happened. And to Jason Light's everlasting credit, he went ahead and, and, and found ways, you know, to be creative and keep guys. But, um, uh, you know, it, it, as we'll see, as we go through the, the signed or added list, this is all largely a function of the fact that the free agent market tanked. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Blaine Gabbert resigns as as the backup. Um, Blaine was a a failed number one draft choice, but he's made more money than <laughs> he's done. most people in the history of the game. Yeah, no, he's done okay. He's on that. Uh, he's on a pretty good track. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Ryan Griffin resigns as the third. This is the steal of free agency. This is the rich getting richer and everybody else being asleep at the switch. Yes. What, 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 the, what the Bucks didn't have was James White, right? Yeah. And the Pats were not going to give up James White. So who's the next best thing? Giovanni Bernard. And they get him on a one-year deal. Holy Toledo. It's crazy. God bless him. Yep. You know, God bless Bruce. Leonard Fournette, one-year deal, 3.25. I think he thought that he was going to hit the jackpot, and it wasn't there for him. By the way. It was just the dash for some cash. That's correct. Yeah, exactly. You got you to gotta put in more than just the playoffs. From, from the 10th week of the season on, that running game statistic that you quoted is a little misleading. Because they got it together at that point in time. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And started to run the ball really, really well. Right. Um, 
and certainly through the playoffs. <laughs> A.B., Antonio Brown, re-signs. Uh, now, they, he's got a lot of incentives, as does Leonard Fournette, and they should. So they'll be cap-strapped a year from now, but why not take another run at it, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, and A.B. is, you know, in the Methuselah category. So, he, you know, one more year, what the heck? How many snaps does he take a game? 20 a game? 25? Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Right? Let's do it. Retired in Tampa, semi-retired in Tampa, <laughs> and winning rings in the process. So good yeah. Pay, right. Yeah, he's in the Sunrise facility in Tampa. Yeah, that's exactly right. Chris Godwin got the franchise tag as he should have, and they're going to have a big decision to make on him next year. Uh, Gronk is over there with AB. They have rocking chairs over there, and in fact, they probably have their own little yep. retirement, semi-retirement senior section in the. In the locker room, they serve an early dinner. Yeah. Yes, yeah. They're they're already doing four hundred one k draws. Yeah, and and Bruce probably says to me, "I feel like practicing today." Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> ah, all right. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Take the day off. Actually, actually, he's pretty tough on them in that regard. He takes care of them, but they don't they don't get a, they don't get away with much. But that, that's the pensioners' corner there, and they, and why not? I mean, yeah. Why, as a friend of mine in Buffalo said, you know, Gronk is anything. If he's anything, he's smart. Why yeah. in God's name would you would you hang it up when you can play with Tom Brady in Tampa? Yeah, exactly. And make money. And keep collecting rings, probably. Yes, and keep collecting rings, right. Uh, Josh Wells uh, re-signed. Aaron Stinney, who's, who's a good backup guard, he stepped in and started when Ali Marpet went down and did a nice job. Uh, Shaq Barrett, four-year. Uh, sixty-eight million deal. Well, he earned it. Beautiful, yeah. Yeah. and and they're going to have to replace JPP down the road, maybe quickly down the road. So Shaq solidifies the position. Um, uh, Raheem Nunez Roches, uh, backup uh, nose tackle who played when uh, Vita Vea went down, did a great job. Um, Dominican Sue, uh, one more year at at, at nine mil. He deserves every penny of it. He probably should have been the MVP of this of this to be very honest. Um, but uh, you know, a defensive lineman is never going to get that. Um Levante David, who is the heartbeat of the defense, uh, two-year deal worth 25 million. God bless him, and, and deservedly so. Uh, Kevin Minter, solid backup, Ross Cockrell, solid backup. Ross Cockrell is a very bright guy, went to Duke. He's, he's not a dummy. Can I stay in Tampa? Hello. Knock on the door. Can I come back? Yes. Where's the contract? Anybody anybody, anybody home? Anybody home? <laughs> what does it say in here? I don't care. Just let him sign it. Uh, Raven Green. And, and, of course, Ryan Suckup comes back on a three-year deal worth $12 million, which he, he very definitely earned. And like, as, as Coach Levy always used to point out, recycled kickers are worth their weight in gold because they, 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 they're like golfers. They go into slumps and, and, and something goes wrong and takes them a while to get it corrected. But when they do get it back, the, the guys who are good ones and Ryan suck up is, um, d- d- does it well. Uh, it, it, not that, not that, you know, the, the rich do get richer and, and it's, it's always the case, but they did a phenomenal job in the draft. Uh, JPP's successor, I believe, is on board in Joe Tryon from Washington. He was an opt-out 
uh, last year. They got him in the 32nd pick of the draft. Um, that might turn out to be a Reggie Wayne pick when it's all said and done. Um, he's, um, uh, he, as I said, he was an opt-out, but the previous year he was a sound, solid player. Kyle Trask is the most interesting pick of the draft. Um, there are people, and I'm one of them, that believe that he can be a winning quarterback in the National Football League. Now, can he, can he be a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback? Don't know. I'm not sure I'd place a bet on that. But I think he's got a chance to be pretty good. He's slow as molasses. You know, he's not a movement guy, but he doesn't need to be in Bruce's offense. And uh, and so uh, this is interesting. Keep an eye on him in the preseason. Tom will sit there with his towel on on the sideline, and Kyle will do a lot of playing, and, 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 and we'll see how he does. Uh, Robert Hainsey was a nice pickup in the third round from Notre Dame. They're going to work him at center uh, so that uh, they've got a backup for J.J. Jansen, uh, J.J. Johnson, Jansen, excuse me. Uh, Jalen Darden is a wide receiver from uh, North Texas who's a who's a, a, a speed burner. K.J. Britt, pretty solid linebacker from uh, Auburn. Chris, Chris Wilcox, not a bad corner from Brigham Young. And I, Grant Stewart's a linebacker from Houston who I don't know very well. But Tryon, Trask, Hainsey, Darden, that's a that's – Pretty damn good when you're drafting 32nd, 65th, 64th, 95, and 129. So give them a lot of credit. Uh, uh, the depth chart, just go look at your Super Bowl depth chart. There it is. There it is. Exactly. Go go look at your all-star it, it, team exactly. in the NBA. Or, or, <laughs> say, if you save the program from last year. But with a few guys coming back. I mean, O.J. Howard gets to come back. Yeah, whether he stays or not remains to be seen. I mean, he might be trade. Uh, he might be trade bait uh, if if they if they need an injury replacement somewhere along the line. Uh, and Cameron Brait. I mean, for all intents and purposes, Cameron Brait's the starting tight end. They lift. They list Gronk, but yeah. Cameron Brait's the starting tight end. Uh, and, and so they, you know, they hit pay dirt there uh, going to Harvard. So. Yep. Uh, and, and the offensive line remains the same. Uh, so what's not to like? Plus the addition of Giovanni Bernard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And Darden's a burner. Yes, he is. It's just a nightmare team. Yeah. Now you won't see, you won't see Darden. I don't think for until mid season. I mean, they're, there's, there's too many other guys that need to get balls. Oh yeah, but it's, but it's a nice, it's a nice thing to have in your hip pocket to break glass when needed. And, and, and Scotty Miller is Scotty Miller is 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 Tom's guy, so you know he's going to be in there. Uh, but this is an outstanding, outstanding group, and Giovanni Bernard just just makes him better. Uh, yeah, absolutely, our pressure points here, and, and and we need to point it out. Tom's health. I think Fournette's health, uh, uh, Gronk's health, and Tristan Wirf's health, not that Tristan has any injuries, he doesn't, but those are key guys that, and Donovan Smith, those are key guys that if they had significant injuries, that that would set things back 
pretty dramatically. Yeah. And at Tom's age, at Gronk's age, um, you know, you worry, you worry about it. You worry about it. it could go like that. But assuming health, which is probably a big assumption, uh, you know, just start over. <laughs> right, Pick right. up where you left off. Right, yeah. Well, you, you know Brady's pliable. <laughs> On defense, Dominican Sue, Vita Vea, William Golston, uh, you don't need to do anything more than just put the Super Bowl film on and watch that beating that they administered to Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, JPP, Devin White, Levante, David, Shaq Barrett, Jeez. with Joe Tryon in the wings. That might be the best linebacker group in football, mm-hmm. aggregately. The young secondary has got nothing but greatness ahead of them. Carlton Davis, Antoine Winfield, who's a blossoming star, Jordan Whitehead, Sean Murphy, Bunting, Jamal Dean, Ross Cockrell. I mean, this is this is a solid group. Suck up, we talked about. Bradley Pinion, the punter, we talked about. Scotty Miller's the punt returner. Tyler Johnson, the kick returner. Um, everybody's back. Uh, so if they're focused, and you would think that they would be because Tom knows that there aren't many more trips around the block, you know, um, He'll keep them focused if they are and they can stay healthy. Um, th- this is a this is a formidable group. Now, I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see them start slowly, and I'll tell you why. First and foremost, Bruce knows it's a long season. Second of all, Bruce told us last year when they started slowly. I expected this. I'm not surprised. We'll get it straightened out by midseason when we get everybody on the same page and everybody together and everybody feeling good about their jobs. Then we will start to turn up dramatically. And he was a thousand percent right. So I would expect the same thing here because I think he will be very easy on them in training camp. I don't think he's going to overwork them and he shouldn't. It's, and he, he knows how to do this. He was with us in Indianapolis. He's been with other teams that that have, have made long playoff runs, uh, Pittsburgh no, most notably. He knows how to handle this. So I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see them get out of the box somewhere in the, you know, in the in the four and three range in over seven games or four and four over eight, and then vroom, mm-hmm. up it goes from there. Mm-hmm. Um, now – not to be, I don't want to be Debbie Downer here, but I do think they're going to lose both coordinators to head coaching jobs next season. There's no way in hell that either of these coordinators uh, do not are not the number one candidates coming out of the box uh, next fall, uh, next winter, I should say. If there are, if they're not, there should be a congressional investigation. Yeah, something's going on. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, the, the 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 likelihood is that one or both get head coaching jobs, and and that may that will have an effect over time. Plus, Father Time is, as we all know, is undefeated. But to take one more run, God bless him. Go to it. It's gonna be fun. It is going to be fun to see how this division plays out. All right. Well, that is our jaunt 
Oh, here we go. Excuse me, I forgot yeah, one, one, one last thing. I believe that they lost twice to Drew in the regular season last year. Did they not? They did indeed. And wow. he's not there anymore. Good, good. Yeah, he is. No, he is not. Wow, good point. This is a team where if you do look at the schedule and they do navigate those first games, they could they could have a zero maybe at the end. Well, I don't think that's not possible. But but the but the fact of the matter is that everything's kind of breaking for them, and they deserve it. They deserve it. The fans deserve it, and the organization deserves it, especially Jason Light, who's done a phenomenal job. He does. And, and, they, and they, they're not going to have to go through that adjustment period you know, this time around like they did last year. So that'll be accelerated. So. Well, they're going to have a tough week out of the bye. Let's just say that because they got to play the football team. And, you know. Yeah, I'm sure they're quaking. The Poli and Schaefer connection and our rooting fandom will uh, will bring us to the forefront that week. All right. Of course, they have to go to New England. They, they, they would oh, possibly yeah. schedule that game yeah. in December in Tampa. Oh, no. Tickets are uh, the cheapest seats you can get on the secondary market right now, I think, are uh, one comma. So you've got you've got to at least pony up twelve, thirteen hundred bucks to get into Foxborough for that one. That's got to be the highest rated regular season TV game in a long time. Right. For sure. Yeah. And then. That's a big boy number. All right. Well, we have navigated the South. We are headed North next week. We will begin our look at the Rick division in the AFC North as we look at some of those teams. Uh, as always, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Bet Online. If you have things you want us to cover in these shows, feel free to hit us up at IFBill Polling on Twitter, and we'll be sure to cover it. Thank you, guys. See you next week. Yep, stay well, everybody. Hey, Bill, Chuck Halley, remember, defensive player, MVP of the Super Bowl Five. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>